Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Happy Tuesday. Draft week season is in the air, and we're going to spend today's episode for the last time talking about these incoming rookies before they will have a landing spot figured out. By we, I mean myself, and the one, the only, PFF extraordinaire, connoisseur, whatever the hell you want to call him, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how's it going? Ian, you have to spell connoisseur now in the show notes. You got to do it today. No, I I put it in the chat for you. It's right there. You just copy and paste. (laughs) Dwayne, I am uh, rocking an old school Emmett Smith jersey, and I want to bring this up because this has bothered me over the years. Now, we are both Cowboys fans, but isn't it weird that for all GOAT arguments, Michael Jordan in basketball, Tom Brady at quarterback, Jerry Rice at wide receiver, the backbone of every single one of these arguments comes down to championships, you know, longevity, milestones, and all this stuff. And then we get to NFL running backs, and it just comes down to, oh, yeah, Barry Sanders, because, like, look at yeah, him. Yeah, he, he had a better juke, juke move, yeah. Which I'm not <laughs> exactly. denying, but it's just a different. Well, and I think that's the problem with Barry. As a whole. Yeah, and with Barry, just I, everybody knows, like he still had something left in the tank when he left sure. the game. So I think people look at that too. But yeah, it, it is funny because all the same, just like you meant, mentioned, all the same requirements that we would use or criteria to really qualify like these other players. Um, yeah, they don't go towards you know Emmett Smith. Now I think in the future. Well, I say in the future, like today, it's not, it's not like, you know, I'm Marty McFly from back in the future, <laughs> but uh, like it, no one will ever touch those records like in football because we just, they're, we're going to run the ball less and less. I mean, PFF, PFF's main goal, right, is no running backs ever anywhere. <laughs> no, no running plays. Um, so it will be interesting because, I mean, the league has definitely shifted. Maybe the longer seasons help, you know, the backside a little bit. I mean, we'll see, but man, I have a hard time thinking that anyone, I think passing records will just continue to get shattered. Receiving records probably eventually will go down, but like, will, will the rushing records? I doubt it. I don't think they'll ever go down. Especially, you know, Frank Gore hanging it up. Adrian Peterson, maybe finally not able to catch on, you know, Seattle wasn't win now mode and felt the need to uh, go get him. We can't forget that. Uh, but yeah, long story short, I do think, you know, when we are talking about the goat, just definitively at the beginning, talk about, are, are we cri- criterizing this? My God. <laughs> Are we talking about this in terms of accomplishments or in terms of who's getting picked first, you know, if you're playing in the backyard? Both very fair reasons to do it, but we need to be specific about that. But yes, Dwayne, it does seem like running backs are on the out. And if you think that's the case, why not sign up for a PFF Elite Annual Subscription Code Draft 50? You get 50% off year one. And if a running back gets picked in the first round, you get an entire year free. Again, 50% off. PFF Elite Annual Subscription. Code DRAFT50. All locked article content. All of our fancy goodness. If you are planning at any point in the year of buying a PFF subscription, do it now because you're getting at least 50% off. And God forbid, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker happen to go. Then you're getting an entire year's value again for free. That's code DRAFT50. PFF Elite Annual Sub. Dwayne, we talked about these rookies plenty. But let's talk about them one more time before they get landed. Why the hell not? <laughs> I have my draft. What else are we going to do on draft week? <laughs> what else are we going to do? We'll talk about, you know, maybe a little USFL, but not today. Uh, looking at, you know, PFF.com, I do have my first edition, my only edition of the pre-draft rookie ranks up there. We've talked at length, you know, Dwayne, just about the importance of being willing to adjust, being willing to take draft capital into account and we will be doing those things we just don't have it right now so want to quickly go through position by position mostly focusing on the top five players and just have a great day because why not it's always a great day to be great starting things off at quarterback though i think the big takeaway here is other than malik willis would find it very hard to believe that any of these guys have legitimate year one upside in fantasy football. I do rank Malik Willis number one. You guys know why he's freaking ridiculous as a rusher. Literally since 2015, only Lamar Jackson has averaged more yards per carry. I mean, you look at Willis's just broken tackles, the volume he has. I would not be surprised if he's getting double digit rush attempts from day one, the second he's starting somewhere after Willis, I'm continuing to lean on the guys that have some semblance of the rushing upside, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. When I was looking actually at their, uh, you know, rushing yards per game and tier 
hearing them, I had to put Malik Willis, obviously number one. But after that, man, it was really tough to decide between Corral, Ritter, and Howell, who's actually better movement-wise. Because Howell breaking all sorts of tackles this final year. Corral put up some good numbers. And Desmond Ritter is the fastest one of the group, even though he's not necessarily putting that on film as much. So for me, I could see people moving these guys around. But fifth place for me is definitely Kenny Pickett. Maybe he ends up being the best real-life quarterback of the group. But when I see Kenny Pickett, I think it's similar to Mac Jones, where it's like, maybe you are. Maybe you do exceed expectations as a rookie. You start from day one. I still don't think he's just going to be a quarterback that has that, you know, extra ability to pick up a bunch of yards on the ground. I saw the fake slide. That was, I did not like it as a defensive player, but it was a dope move. I think we can agree on that. Got it out of the way once. We're never going to see it again. But we just didn't see that as a consistent part of Pickett's game compared to these other guys. So, Dwayne, you know, looking at your kind of quarterback ranks, you have Willis number one, 23rd overall. This is from earlier in March, so I'm not sure quite how much you've adjusted it. But again, big moral of the story is, you know, the next closest guy is Kenny Pickett at pick 29. So, other than Malik Willis, I don't think there's really any quarterbacks for redraft purposes that we need to be worrying about that much in 2022. Yeah, and for, you know, quarterback it's basically, are you drafted in the first round? Pretty much like you, you need to be drafted in the first round. Um, and then we'll go from there. And so essentially I did just what you did. I looked at, okay, rushing. And then I looked at what we think the draft capital is going to be and put those two things together. And that's where I came up, you know, with the ranks that I had. So, but I agree. I think right now, you know, it's Malik is the only one. I don't, know that landing spots even going to matter much like I just I don't I don't think there's going to be any quarterback that come you know August September from this class outside of Malik Willis that we would really even want to take in a fantasy draft there's um also a lot to be said about if Malik does end up going top 10 like this happens where even teams that kind of you know, like the Giants, for example, like they might have a Daniel Jones type player and you think, oh, okay, this will be a red shirt year. You know, they're going to let the guy learn on the bench. Look at how well that worked for Patrick Mahomes. More times than not, if you are a top 10 quarterback, you're going to be out there starting 10 plus games, specifically looking at the top 10 quarterbacks since 2010. Only five, only five of, you know, let me I'm not going to count all of them. It's about 25 total top 10 quarterbacks since 2010. The only five not to start 10 games. Jake Locker, zero. Patrick Mahomes, one. Trey Lance, two. Jared Goff, seven. And Tua Tagovailoa had just nine starts. Every single other top 10 quarterback started at least 10 games. So even if you think they're bad, you know, the Josh Allens, the Daniel Jones of the world, even if you think there's a quarterback at the top of the depth chart, you know, for every Patrick Mahomes and Trey Lance, there usually are three or four other guys that are out there sooner rather than later. In terms of just the past rookie QB success stories we've seen, only rookie QB ones since 2010, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, RG3, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, and Justin Herbert. So to your point, Dwayne, yeah, we got Dak in there, but he wouldn't have played if Tony Romo didn't get hurt. And then Russell Wilson, third round success. I mean, even he had to beat out Matt Flynn and I believe uh, Tavares Jackson to get that job. So if you're not a first round quarterback, there's a good chance you're not going to be giving us all that much in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, just hitting on all the same things that I was just, you know, mentioning before, and, and you do a good job of, like, laying out the actual data and everything here. Like, I just see in that Dak Prescott, those yards per uh, game rushing, man, like, come on, Dak, let's get a little bit of that back. Let's get that going again. <laughs> man, 65 yards, you know, Dak really ended up kind of being a zero for us in the rushing game last year, first first year back, rough from the ankle. So maybe, maybe Dak will give us a little bit more this, this year, Ian. I actually thought by the end of the year he was turning it up a little bit. Like it was playoffs, a little bit. Yeah. He ran in for a score. Yeah, but he had the calf injury as well last season, yeah. so that also limited things. I don't know that we got a true picture of what he – it wasn't just about you know recovering from the ankle injury. It was also the compensatory issue that he had with the calf. Because we were talking earlier in the season about how Dak and Derek Carr were like pretty similar players. This wasn't the first eight, nine weeks when Carr was actually lighting it up with Henry Ruggs still in the picture. But yeah, Dak, I mean, you just look at the rushing totals. And by the end of the year, three, let's see, he had four more rush attempts in four of his final six games after only reaching that mark in like three of his first eight or nine. So we'll see if Dak can get that going because, man, he was a sure thing for six-plus uh, rushing touchdowns first few years in the league. It would be great to get that back. Yeah, they used to get us more of the zone read between he and Zeke inside the five, you know, like three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. So you would pick up those extra rushing touchdowns. I don't know if they'll ever do that with Dak again, just trying to keep him healthy. But yeah, I think we probably need to consider a little bit of a, of a bounce back in the rushing department. They love those QB draws too on the two-point conversions. And hey, they work. Why the hell not? Moving on to running back. 
Number one, got to be Brees Hall. Dwayne and I have talked about this. We just don't have as many concerns. Like Kenneth Walker, by all counts, and Dwayne has proven this with, you know, just looking at the different run types. Kenneth Walker seems to be the better pure runner than Brees Hall, but we aren't looking for the best pure runner in fantasy football land. We're looking for someone that can earn their way to get the most opportunity. I think based on what Brees Hall has given us through the air with his status as seemingly the consensus 1A running back. If not, either way, he's top two. Should have the draft capital as well. The combine like the explosivity and just athleticism is absolutely bonkers. I mean, you see the comp groups that comp groups that he's drawing, you know, compared to some of these other running backs and you see what, where all the hype is coming from. So for me, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, easy one, two after that Dwayne. And you know, I, once I really started putting these ranks down, it made me just be that much more objective about guys like James Cook and Kyron Williams, who I, I think I like more talking about than necessarily when it came time to rank them because we want guys that can theoretically get that three down roll. And I'm just not so sure they're going to be able to with those size concerns. So the rest of my list, Isaiah, Spill, Isaiah Spiller, number three, Damian Pierce, number four, Zamir White, five, Rashad White, six, and Tyler Algier, seven. I just wanted guys that I think through their receiving ability and with their size have the chance to get those three down rolls. I think the biggest, uh, you know, leap of faith I'm making here is with Damian Pierce, my RB4. I see him outside a lot of people's top five, even top eight. But Dwayne, man, if the only question we have for the guy is like, we wanted more work, I'm not too terrified of that question when it comes at, you know, a true NFL factory like a Florida, like a Georgia, Ohio State. So that's similar uh, reason why I have Zamir White as high as he is. So overall thoughts here. And, you know, if you want to call me an idiot at any point, man, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we're pretty close. Like, and, and, you know, the way I've worked it so far is I've basically tiered them. And once we know for sure draft capital, I'll actually rank them. Um, so I think, you know, the thing you mentioned with Damian Pierce, like that's the tier I have him in is like, you know, there's probably going to be pretty good draft capital based on what we're seeing right now, you know, as far as the mocks go, like the latest mock, like he was up to 94, uh, 94th pick. And so if he goes in that range, um, even if, you know, even though we know his production profile wasn't great from college, he's only 22 and a half years old. He hits the weight, you know, check mark we want of 218. Um, we've seen him work in pass pro. Um, he's decent in the receiving game as well. So I think all the things you just said are right. The only thing missing from his profile is production, which is a big one. That's one of the biggest ones beyond draft capital. But at the same time, if he lands in the right spot and he has that draft capital behind him, I think we'll feel good, you know, about Damian Pierce. So I have, you know, you've got it up. I've got I've got a little bit of an updated version of this in front of me, but Rashad White, James Cook, Zamir White, Brian Robinson Jr., Damian Pierce, all in that same tier. Um, I will say like a couple of scheme fit kind of things like Brian Robinson and Zamir White, like if they land somewhere where they run a lot of inside zone, like the Eagles run a lot of power and a lot of inside zone, like they would be, that's a really good landing spot for Brian Robinson would be somewhere like the Eagles. Um, the Patriots backfield's already loaded, but they run a similar scheme, a lot of inside zone, a lot of gap or power type plays. Um, which basically on, for those of you that don't know, like in a gap play, Ian knows because he used to have to try to tackle these dudes. Like basically the running back just needs to go where they're supposed to go. Like the, the linemen are going to a specific spot to hit specific, you know, wall off specific defenders. And, you know, the back is just supposed to hit the hole as hard as they can and follow it. Whereas in a zone play, you know, inside zone, outside zone, typically the running back is reading three different lanes, you know, so they're reading basically leverage of the defender. The, so on outside zone, for example, if you see the outside shoulder of the defensive of the outside defender, whether it's a linebacker or whether it's defensive end, if you see their shoulder, then you're supposed to read inside. If you don't see their outside shoulder, you should just go ahead and proceed to the outside. So it's just more processing, you know, and then the next cut would be more to like that B gap. And then there's the total cutback. And so really looking at these players, like I kind of tried to break them down and we'll put this into our draft guide, which will be you know awesome that we'll be updating all through the weekend. Ian, it'll be part of. While we're updating four running backs, we'll have, okay, here's the scheme they've landed in. This is the scheme that they really played well in college. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on those things. But just we'll, guys like Robinson, guys like Zamir White, and the, the NFL runs inside zone more than any other play. Inside zone and outside zone are about the same. And then gap is next going to have the PFF Fantasy Football Draft Tracker live on Thursday, updating throughout the entire weekend. Myself, Dwayne McFarlane, Nathan Yonke, updating that continuously. And then we will have our rookie ranks out Monday. And then we're just getting right back in the swing of things, guys. Fantasy football never sleeps. Neither do Dwayne or myself. 
Dwayne, I think you could have called me a coward about Brian Robinson because, you know, based on everything I just said, looking at some of your numbers here and just looking at my own analysis, I think maybe I'm buying into the consensus a little too much. Like Brian Robinson does have that theoretical three down ability. So, you know, I, I love when I publish something and six hours later, I feel like I want to change it um, already. But I think that's kind of how the fantasy football rankings work uh, sometimes. But with Brian Robinson, I yeah, why did Why did you put him below Cook and Because I'm a coward. <laughs> that's what i'm saying Dwayne. i don't like it I'm, okay. if you're not gonna criticize me, i'm gonna criticize myself right. here i think i could move brian robinson up because i feel like big all right, what do we say about big wide receivers like it's always like oh too many contested catches that can't separate even if it's someone like drake london maybe when we look a little closer turns out not to be true i think big running backs and the assumption that they can't catch is another one of those things that we just kind of gloss over with some of these guys i mean no one's trying to say brian robinson is going to be you know james cook good or anything like that but if you look at him at bama man he caught 35 of 38 targets in 2021 and then i start looking at you know some pass blocking info and it's like yeah mike renner in the PFF draft guide, and I know he's watched more pass blocking snaps than I have, so he cited that as a potential concern, but then I'm trying to look up clips, and I'm seeing like him in the Senior Bowl just absolutely blowing up uh, some of these guys and showing all the sort of effort that you would want, so with uh, Robinson, man, like he does seem to, and it's Alabama running back, like are we that sure that he's going to be going as far down as uh, as draft analyst things because it does seem like NFL teams at the end of the day maybe value you know these sort of football factories more so than the average fan well right now he's valued you know according to the mocks um, he's a late third early fourth so think Michael Carter ish range from last year or slightly before that Carter was a was an early fourth round pick last year so if you can be in that range right there like you're still going to be fine that's probably going to be accurate for Robinson probably a third round pick is, is about where he will go. You know, you've got Rashad White, Zamir White, Brian Robinson all bunched together um, around one, around pick 110 right now in the mocks. James Cook and Damian Pierce slightly higher at 92 and 94. And that is where I'd be okay moving Cook or Kyron ahead. I'd be fine. Like right now, I should have Brian Robinson ahead of them. So I would go Robinson, RB8, Cook, Cook 9, Kieran, uh, RB10. Well, Once if you're we... just using the criteria of thinking, uh, you know, which players could be that true every down back, then yeah. I think, yeah, you got to put Robinson um, ahead of those. With that said, you know, everything's going to change when we get the landing spot and stuff. So if James Cook and Kyron get third round draft capital and they're actually, you know, go to an Arizona Cardinals type offense that has, you know, the scat back role available, at least for 2022 purposes, I'll take that over Robinson, you know, as a fourth round back or even, you know, Tyler Algier, Rashad White. If these guys do end up being day three talents and they're, you know, looking at that backup role, that's the spot where I'm going to be way more willing to adjust on the fly. But let's keep it moving with a look. Yeah, at Kyron's the one on your list that I like this that I dislike the most like, wow. I've got him in the next I've got him in the next tier down well and a lot of it's just like I don't I don't think he's gonna go high at all like you know he's small and slow like he did have a good he had a good receiving profile so I think there is a chance like landing spots really gonna matter for for Kyron Williams you know he's gotta land somewhere where he can play that James White type role and I do think there are enough teams that have that need you know in play but I think the problem you get with Kyron is you don't get the upside I think James Cook has a chance to be really a much more explosive player and potentially carve out a little bit, not saying he'll be a bell cow, but to mm -hmm. carve out more of a rushing role than what Kyron will. I'm going to be really interested to see where, because I mean, he's 199. I get Dalvin has 15 pounds on him, but yeah, it's 15 pounds. It's not minimal, but maybe NFL teams don't care. I mean, Georgia cared, but Georgia's been splitting stuff up with guys all the time. I'm not sure. Maybe we're looking a little too much into the Georgia splits when the whole time they were just saying, yeah, we like James, we like Zamir. Why not get them both out there on the field a good amount? So Get him in Buffalo with that high, uh, you know, like Eric Eager was showing us this morning on the call, Ian, you know, yep. with that, that yards before contact, like they were one of the better, you know, run blocking units, the perfectly blocked plays. And Singletary didn't necessarily take that much advantage of them. Like, let's like, we could roll with some James James Cook. Like, get him behind a line, you know, that keeps people off of him and lets him, you know, do his thing, be explosive. You uh, retweeted something cool yesterday, Dwayne. It was someone that, and okay, one of my beefs with like the 
April. Oh, look, yeah, look, here's Addison another report Hayes, yeah. about the draft day. Uh, you know, here's another visit to this. But um, shout out to it's, everyone at WalterFootball.com. This is courtesy of Addison Hayes at Amaze Hayes. Actually went through and just counted up the draft visits for, you know, every single team, every single position. And I did notice uh, with the Bills four RB visits. But I think the big one that surprised me was the Buccaneers with, a you know, league high nine running back visits. So maybe they're actually a team that. And most of the guys they had come in have receiving profiles like the Rashad Whites, those types. James Cook they've had in. Yeah, I counted these up and put them in an article, and Ian made fun of me. But good, good for you, Amaze Hayes. Like you, you did put it into a much prettier chart. I will give you that that credit. That's why I retweeted it. I was like, oh damn, I've been like tracking these on my own, and he's got them right here. So yeah, I followed him after that. <laughs> if we yeah, if we have the whole you know database like Addison seemingly does, I'm in. I just it seems to, like we don't have. Do we have official official? And this isn't, and even these? the, and even so, Walter Football does a really good job of tracking them. Like you have to search and pack them. Some teams, yes. some teams like the Ravens, they share everything. The Cowboys, they share everything. You'll see all thirty of their visits. But then there are other teams that you know they can have thirty visits, and you'll only see fifteen of them. So it, it, there probably are some holes, you know, in the data. Some teams keep things much more close to the vest than others. My guess is if you're keeping it closer to the vest, you probably care more about your visits. <laughs> Maybe you're more likely to draft a player you bring in. But I think the biggest takeaway really is at this level. I think, you know, um, Addison did a really good job with this, like of what you just said. Hey, let's just look at the visit totals by position. And so that's why you see the Steelers so high. They share everything. Look at them. <laughs> They've got like multiple positions in the teams. Some of the leaders, just real quick, uh, quarterback, five visits for the Commanders, six for the Panthers, five for the Saints, seven for the Steelers. At running back, mentioned the Buccaneers with nine. Cowboys had six, Ravens six, Saints six as well. Cowboys have mostly been later round guys. They did visit Isaiah Spiller, but a lot of names people haven't ever heard of. So I I expect them to add the third back to go behind Pollard, but it probably won't be, it won't be in the first three rounds. Be a special team guy or something like that. Wide receiver, Bears and Bengals, each with six. I mean, Dwayne, like they got to replace. That that, that makes sense to the, to the Bears. Yeah. Like the Bengals, like six. I think the Bengals receivers were later round receivers too. If I remember right, I read those names because that one popped off to me immediately. I was like, man, which receivers visited the Bengals? Chiefs with eight, Jets with seven, Packers with seven, Steelers with seven, Titans sense. with seven, Vikings with six. The Vikings would be an interesting one, man, because maybe they are more in the conversation for getting one of these, you know, first or second round wide receivers. Obviously, Adam Thielen not getting any younger. And after the whole Stefan Dix thing, I mean, we at least saw that they weren't super willing to be extending uh, these top receivers. If Jamison Williams or someone finds their way to mm-hmm. Minnesota, are you changing a single thought on Justin Jefferson, or would that just be a little bit more of a ding to maybe Adam Thielen, especially Kate? Probably Jones? more for Thielen. I'm not worried about Jefferson. Jeff- what Jefferson's done, like all of his underlying data points, like screen, like this guy's eventually going to have a blow-up season and be the number one receiver overall. It doesn't really matter who else is on his team. Like he's just that good. And plus it will be a rookie. But I think what you have to look at, like even if – and K.J. Osborne played good last year. So even if they draft someone like a Jamison Williams – Um, Remember, this is a team that's going to run 11 personnel a ton, way more than what they've done in the past. Now, they did move to it more last year, um, but I think we'll see the most 11 personnel we've seen from the Vikings. You'll see way less of 12, way less of 21, which is, you know, bringing a fullback on the field. A lot of those formations that were used by the Kubiaks, you know, and even Stefanski in his time there, those are going to be out the window. It's all going to be now Kevin O'Connell is going to be really running that Sean McVay three wide receiver. So, you need four. If you're good, if you know you're going to run three wide receivers almost all the time, you need four good ones on your team because injuries happen. And so, if you want to be able to still continue to run your scheme, um, you know it might be a little different if if we thought they were really deep at tight end two, and then oh they could just adapt and run a little more twelve personnel. But like the reality is, nobody wants to run a bunch of damn twelve personnel. I remember when um, Warren Sharp used to talk about twelve personnel. Used to crack me up. Talk about twelve personnel and be like, yeah, this is the this is the formation you score from. You're like Warren. It's because they run that inside the five-yard line. Like, <laughs> come on, small, man. small detail. Uh, also goes into that. That's yeah. also one of like the top, uh, you know, off-season storylines. I'm sure we'll start getting in May. You know, Team X wants to really up their usage of uh, two tight end sets. Uh, Team Y can't wait to use this running back more as a receiver. No, g- g- catch some extra I remember Jason Witten and Martellus Bennett. It was the double dynamite. We're gonna see double dynamite. No, we never saw double dynamite. We, we like, saw it whenever Tony wanted to throw. You know end zone corner fades to Martellus and Martellus would be so pissed at him because he wouldn't just throw him the ball. Like, why do you like kept looking at him? Like, why are you throwing it way up here, Tony? Like, just, you know, 
you know, just put it like right here. I'm like six eight. Like, all right, the Patriots obviously made it work with Gronk and he who should not be named. And we even saw Gronk and Martellus Bennett uh, himself, speaking of the devil, having, you know, some success with it. But it's just one of those things that, yeah, definitely tend to overweight. And if we're not being careful with uh, uh, some of the variables we're looking at there, can certainly draw some wrong conclusions. Uh, with tight end, though, Bills. League high eight tight end visits. I mean, the Titans at six are the only other team, other five. If you needed any more reason to be down on Dawson Knox, and I believe Dwayne and I have given you plenty, uh, my God, man, if they took McBride or someone early, that would not be good unless we forget. I mean, they gave OJ Howard, I think it was three or four million dollars for one year. That's not nothing. Yeah. So they've already brought Howard in, and man, they've visited, they've visited with every tight end that could basically be like picked by round four. Like they've had all of them, like Isaiah Likely, they've, They've met with, uh, they've met with McBride. Um, they've met with, uh, what's our, what's your Mo Ali Cox guy out of Virginia? Jelani oh, Wood. from they've Virginia. Met, yeah. I, I'm pretty Probably sure they met with too. him. Yep. I'm pretty sure they did meet with Rucker too from Ohio state. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, they're going to add someone for sure. Jelani Woods is going to be like a preseason sensation as soon as everyone finally sees like how freaking <laughs> massive this dude is. Who has hard knocks this year? I hope, uh, I hope he goes there. I, Eh, whatever i always get excited for hard knocks and then don't watch it because you know when august comes around i just forget about it i forget about it i I never watch it live i always go back and like i'll watch it the next day like while i'm eating some lunch or something i watch every damn preseason game and they don't cut them up really or maybe nfl game pass does condense them but nfl game pass is so bad these days that you know i'm just like spending my whole day basically watching preseason and then like winding down with just like more behind the scenes like football coverage i don't know i like watch uh, some bullshit hey ian did you have any, um, I know you had your top 10, but were there any backs that you were like kind of borderline? You're like, man, I like this guy. I'm not going to put him in my top 10 for now. I'll worry about him after the draft. But like, I have a couple, like if you have any that just stuck out to you. Here we go. I actually went up to 15 on my handy dandy. Oh, so uh, Jerome Ford right there, Pierre Strong, Tyler Beatty, Kevin Harris, Hassan Haskins. Uh, and also, I, you yeah, know, I can't even believe you just said that last name. Are you, did you get know. that name to come out of your mouth? I know. <laughs> You're like the, a big the player back. not to be named from Michigan. Ty Davis Price, too. Shout out uh, Eric Froton when he was on here. And yeah. Eric, actually, Eric nailed Elijah Mitchell in last March, like before we knew anything about this. So his point with Ty Davis Price was like, yeah, that's his comp. It's someone that might not even get drafted, but just might actually. PFF's highest graded pass blocker from last season when he did get the LSU job. Finally, he was doing good things with it. So he's someone that, you know, I think it'd be a little silly to put in the top 10. But hey, you know, we have these five, six round uh, rookie drafts. I think if you don't well, know age matters. around five. Age matters. It is a big program. He'll only be 21.9 years old as a rookie. Um, so, I mean, that's younger than Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier. I mean, so it is something that we pay attention to um, because if you're good enough to be coming out that early. But after I heard that episode um, with Froton, like I definitely went and pulled uh, Davis Price into my data set like that day. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't very impressive, like overall, like in the metrics I'm scoring the most. Um, but again, he did go to a big school. So like if we knew he was going to have more draft capital, like he would really fit in that kind of tier three with the James Cook, Zamir White, Brian Robinson. Hey, you played at a big program. You had to share time with other backs. Like, you could look at it that way. The only thing I didn't like, career-avoided tackles per attempt was only 17%. And his career explosive rush rate, so those are carries of 10-plus yards or more, was only 12%. Um, so both of those, he was actually below um, the NCAA average, you know, over his career. So those things didn't look good. He was okay in the 40. He had a 4.4840, but it's definitely not showing up, like, in his, in his uh, you know, underlying data, you know, that we have. But again, I'm definitely a player like I'm interested, you know, in seeing where he lands. Like for me, man, it's Kennedy Brooks. Like Kennedy Brooks, I know, I know we talked about the, I mean, I don't even know what we can say baby hands. It's like a smaller size than baby hands. Like, <laughs> I don't know if there's a smaller size, like, but uh, that would be Kennedy Brooks. Is that like, the, uh, what, what was that? Eight point? No, yeah, it was like it was seven. seven and yeah, it was oh my it's God. An eight. It was like just above seven. And a half. That's right. Cause but, the next closest one was like eight and a half. <laughs> but for Kennedy Brooks, man, I went and watched him like, Go pull up ultimate. Like, I think he's the next closest as far as just, like, elusiveness and running that inside split zone play um, where there's this big cutback that's always available. Not always available. It's one of the reads for the backs. Like, Kenneth Walker is by far, like, the number one guy running it in this class. But number two, like, for me, it was really Kennedy Brooks. Um, and he graded out well there as well. But his career explosive rush rate, 21%. 
Um, that's higher than, so Kenneth Walker's at 17%. So that's the highest in this class. Second was Pierre Strong Jr., 20%, and then 19% to James Cook. Career uh, tackles avoided per attempt, 31%. So that is fourth in this class. So like he's a guy that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I don't know where his draft capital is going to be. It's crept up in the last week and a half. He went from not being, not even being in the mock drafts to now having a mock of around like 160, which would put him in that same tier with Algier, Beatty, Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, and, and uh, Kyron Williams. So that's, that's the big one for me. I really want to see where does Kennedy Brooks land. I'll be interested to see how good this uh, South Dakota State um, kid ends up being too. Pierre Strong Jr. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, look yeah. at the 40, look at the explosive ability, but then it's like nine drops on 71 career catchable targets, pretty horrific PFF pass blocking grade. But, you know, it seemed like the co- competition level is obviously also a concern, but he seemed like someone, especially the way uh, Mike Renner was writing about him in the draft guide, where you give him the ball in space and he's pretty damn explosive. So maybe he is great someone that... Outside run, great outside zone runner. Yeah. Like if he lands with the 49ers, oh... Like, that'll be a guy just to kind of have, like, sitting at the bottom of your bench if something happened to Mitchell. Can't wait to, you know, really just start, again, grinding into guys like him and other, you know, later round picks more and more as soon as we get those handy-dandy landing spots. Moving along to wide receiver, the wide receiver one from the Ohio State University, Garrett Wilson. Number two, Drake London. Three, Traylon Burks. Four, Chris Olave. Five, Jamison Williams. We've kind of talked about this, Dwayne. I think we've seen George Pickens get a little bit of hype, and, you know, people, I think I've slid him into that top five. You know, everyone just loves to find a new thing wrong with Traylon Burks, even though the guy hasn't played football, you know, in a good two or three months. You know, Drake London, we can talk about the separation concerns, which I bought into briefly, but, man, with London and Burks, it just when these guys are like the only the whole the entire USC offense and the entire Arkansas offense went through these guys. So no shit that their offensive coordinator is going to try to scheme them, you know, some gadgety esque ways, some low lower a dot targets to try to get them the ball. I don't know if that's a negative. I see the comp groups. I'm not saying we can't do that, but just because someone has a low a dot doesn't mean they're going to be the next Lavisca Chenault. And the fact that we need to now use Lavisca Chenault as this like. Worst case outcome for every single wide receiver that's like ever been used as a running back. Um, it just seems like we're reaching a little bit there. So, yeah, Dwayne, I would say, you know, with London and Pickens, the big body receivers that can maybe be more than that. I mentioned before how I think sometimes they get unfairly criticized. You know, we had a good discussion a few weeks ago on the difference between having contested catch goodness and also having the separation ability. But yeah, after that, Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, David Bell, and Justin Ross. Uh, don't think there's quite as, you know, didn't take many big uh, leaps of uh, faith here, I think, uh, versus the normal consensus top 10, if you might say, uh, compared to running backs. So overall thoughts here, Dwayne, again, feel free to yell at me if you must. <laughs> no, I mean, the Traylon Burks thing is funny. It's like, it, I feel like we just get bored. People yeah. get, get bored with stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Like when we first talked about Traylon Burks, like the big thing we talked about um, that called out like, hey, kind of a red flag. 20% of his targets have come at or behind the line of scrimmage, right? Like, and he lines up in the backfield, stays in the slot all the time. Um, but again, we don't know for sure why that is, Ian. I mean, the quarterback there is not very good. Um, so to me, like, you still get Traylon Burks. You land him in a spot where you got a, a, a coach that knows how to scheme him up. Like, I think his traits are still going to win. 2.87 career yards per route run, one of the top in this class. Um, 27% explosive uh, target rate. So those are catches of 15 yards or more divided by the number of targets you had. Number one was Jamison Williams at 29%. So yeah, I, when I look at a guy like, you know, Traylon Burks, like I'm, I'm just not, I'm not getting scared off of him. I think he belongs in the top tier. You know, if you want to make an, I have Wilson as my number one, just like you do. I have Jamison number uh, three, Traylon number two. I have Drake London four, Chris Olave five. I, People can make arguments for all of those guys and what order they want. I think the class is pretty close. I have Garrett Wilson, Burks, and Williams all at the top because they have that thing like the teams really covet, and that's that ability, that explosive playmaking ability. They they're by far higher than what Drake London and Chris Olave are, um, as far as you know. Whenever you rank as a percentile versus all the data we have back to 2014 on this stuff. Um, but still, London and Olave deserve to be into that top tier. So, yeah, I, nothing about the top guys. Um, where's the rest of your list at, Ian? Like, let's see if I have something I can yell at you about. Like, I'm going to tell you <laughs> put on some glasses. I'm going to call you four eyes. 
not letting that go. I, I should rock the glasses for uh, one of these episodes uh, as a an ode to you, Dwayne. George Pickens six, Sky Moore seven, Jahan Dotson eight, David Bell nine, and Justin Ross ten. Similar to you, I did try to lean on draft capital here because the list of wide receivers that I mean we talked about running backs before. We're like you can actually be a third round running back, and I think. Obviously, we prefer first round, but even if you're a third round running back, it's not like that bad. We've seen a similar amount of third round running backs as first round running backs produced as top tier rookie fantasy performers. Wide receiver, man, it's all been rounds one or two. Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Keenan Allen, only top 24 PPR rookie wide receivers since 2012, not drafted inside the top two rounds. So, you know, taking a, putting a lot of uh, hope in some of the PFF, uh, you know, thoughts on these guys and where they could be going. Uh, but yeah, in terms of pickings, more. Dotson, Bell, and Ross. Not necessarily saying that, you know, they're leaps and bounds ahead, particularly, you know, Ross and Bell. If you want to add some of the guys that other people might have ranked, you know, 11 through 13 ahead of them, I won't vehemently disagree with you. Uh, I do think they might have a better chance at going higher in the draft, though. Is there a reason like you're out on Christian Watson? Like his expected draft capital right now is pick 33. <sighs> yeah, I don't think he's good. <laughs> elaborate. Is elaborate. Is that fair? Like, this, he yeah, seems like the classic guy that no one cared about until he we went to the combine and absolutely blew it up. And, you know, I think if anyone has played football for any amount of time, like, you've always been around these kids, someone that you don't really care about from September through November every year. Then all of a sudden they're in the front of every line in the offseason because they're good at jumping or running. They're not so good at actually going out there and playing football. So, yeah, the only thing I would argue is. Uh, Look, 2.95 career yards per route run. He did play against lesser competition. But again, like, I mean, I don't think you can overstate some of that stuff. It is what it is. That means you also probably play with a lesser quarterback. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Best yards per route run season, 4.33, second best in the class. That career yards per route run of 2.95 is third best in the class. So let's say we adjust that for competition. He's still going to end up in the top six, you know, as far as career yards per route run. Um, his explosive play rate, 26%. He he did have a 30%, you know, dominator year. Now it was later at, at, at age 22, but a lot of times these guys that come from these younger schools, they don't usually early declare because it's hard for them to get noticed by the NFL. They're not going to get the draft capital that the guys that go to the bigger schools go to. So it's not as big of an issue for me whenever I see um, a guy coming from a smaller school like this. So for me with Watson, um, I did watch him on film too, and I thought he definitely, you know, he had – holes in his game. I'm not an expert film watcher though, so I lean much more into the data. I felt like he had more of a build-up speed versus like this true like twitchy like what we see with Wilson and Jameson and these other guys. Um, but if he gets drafted, you know, that early, he gets a good landing spot. I do think there are enough positives in his profile. And if you added draft capital on top of that, I think he would be okay. Another guy that I have a little higher, I think, than you is John Mechie. Um, and I think really he's just discounted because of the injury. Yeah, he never had the huge dominator year, but he also played with a lot of other really good receivers. Probably going to, you know, position, he'll probably fit as a slot receiver in the NFL. So um, landing spot is going to matter a little bit for him um, because you probably want to, you don't want him to land on a team where they run a lot of 11 personnel. Like don't know that he's going to win an outside job. He can still play the Z or something like that somewhere else, but preferably, um, you know, at least for the first season or two. And I know we don't really project coaches how long you know, they're going to run the same scheme. Like you can't project it really very much further than like this year because coaches get fired, things change. But like for his rookie season, you know, he'll be coming back from an injury. I'd love to see him land somewhere like, or maybe by mid season, late in the season, like we can really see him like play in a slot role. Like I would like to see John Mechie um, do something like that. You have Jamison Williams as your wide receiver three. I have him as my five right now, but I did note in the article, if we can get absolute full-on clarity that the knee is fine and he is ready to go by week one, which, you know, given some of the hype he's seemingly getting with these reports, which who knows if this is newfound hype or if it's just whoever the hell is feeding these mock draft gurus their information in the first place, just now decide to tell them this when it's been information they've known for the past month or two. We don't know with that, but Dwayne, if we had full-on confirmation that Jameson is as healthy as these other guys, would he rise higher or are you pretty comfortable with him behind Burks and Wilson? No, I mean, I I already have him in that top three. And like, I mean, so basically I've got him, I'm thinking of him as almost equal to the other two um, that I have above, you know? So, I mean, landing spot can do a lot for any one of these guys, but I think that Jameson probably has the most, I think he probably has the highest upside of yeah. all of these guys. Um, just, you know, looking at the explosive play rate, you know? So, I mean, if you look at him, 
Um, I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson, but man, he comps very similarly. His explosive plays per target, um, 28% for Jefferson, 29% for Jamison Williams. His best dominator season, 31% for uh, Jefferson versus 32% for Jamison. Breakout age, 20.4 versus 19.2. Best yards per route run, 3.12 for Justin Jefferson, which was, uh, that's where he definitely bested um, Jamison, who had a 2.64. But still, like, knowing that he's mocking where he's going, you know, and, and the steam keeps picking up. Like it seems like there's a really good chance at this point that he's going to be the first receiver off the board. Yeah. Wanted to try to squeeze my guy, Romeo Dobbs into the top 10, but couldn't quite get there. He is one of my favorite late round guys. We'll be targeting Dwayne, anyone in the fourth or fifth tiers that, you know, you're just maybe hoping rises up the ranks a little bit based on what you've seen goes somewhere good. I know Ty Freifogel, uh, absolutely took it to my Ohio State Buckeyes a couple years ago. And I thought this dude was going to be, you know, a star of sorts, but he's uh, actually now giving me, oh my God, what was that Clemson wide receiver? He got drafted by the Chiefs last year. Um, uh, I don't oh, know. Why this is, this is awesome. Blank, but awesome podcast. <laughs> this is a good uh, podcast right, right now. Here. <laughs> anyway, Clemson uh, last year. Gosh, he freaking! I, I'm just thinking of Amari killed, for Green Bay. He, oh my gosh, he freaking killed uh, Denzel Ward in the Orange Bowl. Whatever it was. Either way, um, sometimes I tend to overreact. I think to guys killing Ohio State. And let's face it, that uh, secondary for the Buckeyes hasn't quite been a uh, cornerback U level for, for the past few years or so. But Dwayne, Alec Pierce, Calvin Austin, Romeo Dobbs, Kevin Austin, Kyle Phillips, Javion Healy, Ty Freifogel, any of these guys particularly tickle your pickle? Not really. <laughs> and again, like it's uh, the draft capital matters so much for the receivers, like you mentioned. Yeah. It's hard to get overly excited. And none of them, if one of these guys really were like popping off and all the underlying metrics, like I would already have them a little bit higher in the tiers. Kind of like David Bell, even though his draft capital is kind of going downwards, like just what he was able to do from his production profile is just so strong. Like it's hard to move him down much further than what I have him. Um, but I would say the one that and you already have him in your top 10, but I think he's in danger of sliding further uh, in the NFL draft, but it's just Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see as of yesterday though, Ross had kind of picked back up. He had dipped down to like pick 100, but now he's sitting around pick 79. Um, you know, Alec Pierce, uh, Khalil Shakir, David Bell, they're all in that, that seventies range. If you can go in there, like you're still, I mean, you know, you're going towards the end of the second round. Like that's kind of like the cutoff. Like you're hoping that you make it in right there. Not to say you can't, you know, make it as you know some of these other guys. But like you mentioned, it's just the, the hit rate on those are a lot lower. Justin Ross leads the country in yards per out run as a freshman. Looks absolutely unstoppable. You know, against Alabama, what happens? He gets hurt, and then he has to play with a quarterback that is seemingly tanking his entire Clemson offense. So one of those things played hurt all of last year for the most part too. I'll chase that upside as long as there are, you know reasons to explain the downward trajectory that he went on not saying we need to rank him completely eliminating that discussion but they do seem reasonable to me so his best yard per route season is the freshman season you're talking about 4.98 oh my god <laughs> dude like it's bonkers so yeah, yeah give me yeah. his a... career yards per route run 2.99 best in the class you have to discount that a little bit because he's missed time due to injuries so some of these guys, you know, they've truly been playing all three seasons. Um, you know, when you talk about, especially like a Chris Olave, a 2.80, whenever you were out there quite a bit, you know, even as a younger player, like that's, you know, it's not necessarily always apples to apples because there's time missed by Ross. But man, what he what he did at such a young age as a freshman, that was an 18.7 year old, um, 20% dominator breakout age. So like he's, he pops in a lot of really important ways. It is funny, though, like every single one of these wide receivers, you know, I have my article earlier uh, in this month or last month or something, and it all blends together these days. But my haters guide to the quarterback class, and you can do the same thing with these wide receivers. Garrett Wilson is only 183 pounds. Traylon Burke is slow. Never mind that if you actually look at his side size speed score, he had like one of the best combines, like weight adjusted among some of these wide receivers. And then you can also talk about his ADOT issues. Jamison Williams has the injury. Drake London allegedly can't separate. Also injury problems. Chris Olave has never broken a tackle in his life. Sky Moore, not good enough competition. George Pickens, injury. Jahan Dotson, too small. Christian Watson, too fast. Like, there's always something, Dwayne. So I think it's uh, one of these things where let's see where the chips fall. And then we can all hopefully, um, you know, preserve some sanity when talking about these guys. Finally, 
quick look at the tight ends. I didn't feel the need to blurb these guys because I don't think any of them are going to be relevant in 2022 for fantasy purposes. Only Kyle Pitts and Evan Ingram have turned in top 12 PPR seasons as a rookie over the past 10 years. Going back to even 2010, Gronk's the only other guy to get there. So unless you're one of the best tight ends ever in Rob Gronkowski or you're a borderline wide receiver who also benefits from the number one wide receiver in your offense getting hurt, because lest we forget, not hurt, but Calvin Ridley, suspect personal reasons was out for all of last year. That helped out Kyle Pitts, target share. Evan Ingram only had to play with Odo Beckham for four games before he um, broke his ankle for the entire season. So I don't see that necessarily as something we can plan out for these guys. Trey McBride doesn't look like he's going to be going in the first uh, round or anything like that. So we don't think we even have like a Hawkinson or Noah Fant uh, type of region to look at. So Trey McBride, Jeremy Rucker, Jelani Woods, Greg Dolchich, and James Mitchell. But again, Dwayne, I think the answer to which rookie tight end to take in 2022 redraft leagues is just no. Yeah, I think, I mean, the only one that we'll have to see where they land is McBride. Like, he, he's the one that, like, we could say, okay, we'll take a late-round stat. Like, if you're playing in a deeper league, you got 20 rounds, tight end premium, that kind of thing. Then I think Trey McBride, you know, can sneak into the conversation. I'm, I'm None of the other guys, like, even raised my eyebrows yet. Like, we'll see where they land. Like, we'll see where they land. We'll see what happens with camp and all those sort of things. We could get a late riser depending on, um, you know, what we're hearing as far as the latest news and the landing spot. But right now, no, none of them popped off, like, in any of the, the metrics that I really care a lot about, you know, for the tight ends. I think Scott Barrett had this crazy tweet with a McBride. I was trying to find it, but it was like there was a game last year where he legitimately had like 98% of like their total pass yard production. I mean, if we are looking for a tight end that can go out there and, you know, be more of a wide receiver, which is usually better for fantasy purposes, it would seemingly be Trey McBride. He has been getting the Dallas Goddard comp. And for Goddard, I mean, he seemed like he was ready in year one to be a great tight end. The problem was Zach Ertz was there and obviously stealing a lot of that uh, shine. I just don't even know, like, Dwayne, let's look through some of the teams it needs to land somewhere where though like, the, the, it's going to need to land somewhere with the where the tight end plays in the slot right because he's not going to play in line be able to handle a lot of blocking if that's a big prerequisite like to play in the offense i think that's going to be problematic like it's, it would you know become like a gasecki situation but i think the easiest way to think about it because the rest of the tight ends just don't do much for us so we just think about it like if we were to grade him and place him in the tier with the wide receivers, because obviously none of the other tight ends, I don't think would even make the conversation, at least with mm -hmm. like the top three tiers that I've talked about and like looking at the top 10 guys that you have. Like, I think where he would slot in, you know, for me is really at the bottom of that second tier or at the top of that third tier. So that's the way I would think about McBride, depending on where he lands. Do we think that he's going to really have an avenue to the routes? I think after looking through all these teams and in my head just trying to think about yeah, their depth out. charts, I think the Bengals could be the best spot, low-key. Yeah, the Bengals I mean, could, but they do ask their tight end to stay in and block some. So it's like, you know, could he, he's not going to play the slot, right? It's going to be Tyler Boyd and you got Hayden Hurst. But it could be the best long-term landing If it's spot. only Hayden Hurst, that's what I'm saying, though, because every other team I think pretty much has a better, you know, potential starting option. Hayden Hurst, like, come on. What are we doing here? With all due respect to Hayden Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden Hurst, he had, a, he had a nice little season before they drafted Kyle Pitts, you know, the season before with Atlanta. And I battled he, some injuries. but it, He, he was know, my Jameis uh, Winston All-Star that year. He'd, like, oh, have he? a great week. And then he'd, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he had, like, legit three or four, like, duds. But he had a decent year overall when you kind of look past that. that. Yo -yo, the yo-yo season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I love uh, the yo-yo season. Special. I, I, I always, yeah, I always start them on the wrong week. Always. That's... <laughs> Just ends up uh, clouding people's judgment. Some people out there really don't respect uh, Tyler Lockett enough for that very uh, same reason. But you can catch out, catch all those ranks on PFF.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, mastering the English language today, Dwayne. It's a great day. <laughs> I like it. It'll it be great. great Obviously, Dwayne's uh, stuff is all up there as well. And again, can't reinforce enough just how ready we are to provide you guys with the top fantasy football analysis all throughout draft weekend. Have that tracker up and feel free to refresh whenever and you will have the most up-to-date information from myself, Dwayne, and Mr. Nathan Yonke, the fantasy pros ranking expert himself. And then we'll have even more good shit along the way the following week. So, Dwayne, it's been a uh, fun two, three months since the season ended potting with you, and we're about yeah. to get the landing spots, man. Let's go. Yeah, man, it's like, it's, it's finally here. Like, here, I'll give you the team. Like, I wouldn't mind McBride landing with the Packers. 
Yeah. Like, that could be interesting just because we know, like, they just need targets, period. <laughs> they just need guys to throw the football to. I think the inline tight end stuff, uh, we've already seen um, Tunyon work around that because really Mercedes Lewis handles all of that. Um, and Mercedes Lewis is still on the roster. So, like, that would be one. Like, the Chargers, like, the Chargers, that that would that would interest me some. I, I still, we like Gerald Everett. Um, but it's, you know, Gerald Everett's had a chance. I'm just looking, though, like, that's probably. Hey, quick question with these the, tight ends, because there has yeah. been some rumors. About whether Darren they're, Waller. yeah, if Darren Waller goes to the Packers, is he the new overall tight end one? Man. He's definitely in the top three. I mean, yeah. we already got him in the top three. That was that was kind of a that was a wimpy answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know what? He He'll might be, be in the top three. Honestly, if he, yeah, he might be. I think we would definitely have to have a conversation about it. Like we would have to talk through that. I, I think there is a chance because we've just seen Waller be able from a targets per route run, yard, yards per route run, um, total target share. I mean, e- everything. Like we've seen Waller do it. We've seen him be able to stay on the field all the time. Um, honestly, like he would give the Packers. Uh, you know, something they really haven't had in a long time, you know, at the tight end spot. Like, what's the last thing we had? Uh, Finley? Michael Finley. Yeah, probably. And even he was just really more of a flash. Like, he he couldn't completely stay healthy. Like, it's been that long, really, since, you know, we had, yeah, we had the the Tunyon touchdown season. But, wow. They've tried so many times, too. Martellus Bennett, Jared Cook, Jimmy Graham. Like, they... The one kind of position they've been willing to spend a little bit on in free agency is tight worked, end, yeah. and they've just whiffed. And then uh, now they need wide receivers, and they're just like, eh, you know, we'll get Sammy Watkins. He'll give us a he'll give us a good week. I think Travis Kelsey would still deserve <laughs> Your Sammy to be. Watkins tweet was so good. <laughs> I, I do think that Travis Kelsey would still deserve to be ahead of Waller because he wouldn't have to make the same, um, you know, leap of faith with the adjustment to the offense and all that. And Kelsey has the target share and the connection with his quarterback that we hope. Darren Waller will have in Green Bay, but yeah, certainly would be a nice little boost for him. So, Dave, Derek Carr immediately came out and said no. So <laughs> he's like, okay. no way. <laughs> I, I I couldn't see it because uh, you know I'm one of many uh, oh that's fans right. out blocked. there blocked yeah. by Mr. Carr. I'm surprised he hasn't blocked so. me because I I've like made a couple jokes like back in the day, nothing recent, you know. So. I tried to um you know I put together some of his highlights after like week seven or eight this year and I gave tried up to win him back. I was like please unblock me Derek. I even had a couple people on Twitter like at Derek and be like hey unblock Ian he's a good guy. Just, no, have my chance yeah. uh, and I blew it. So Derek, if he's, you're a, forgi- to this, he's, he's a forgiving man, but you crossed the line. <laughs> Just wait until he uh you know if he once he starts getting old and we start seeing like these Roethlisberger years at the end of his career i'll just come back with a vengeance after all that <laughs> i'll be a dickhead so Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest no man we're gonna we're gonna have plenty to get off of our chest in the next uh three days this is true we will be Four back days. well this next week's gonna be like everybody loves it it's draft season like you said we get the landing spot it's gonna be a lot of time I'll be back tomorrow, quickly previewing USFL week three for all who celebrate. But then starting Thursday, we are full on draft mode. Dwayne will be, Dwayne and I, in addition to our writing aspirations and all that stuff we're publishing, we'll be back here Thursday night and Friday night going live after the draft. So if you guys want to tune in on YouTube, ask us some questions. We're doing it live. Why the hell not? So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 